Hello and welcome, weary podcast traveler. This is my viewfinder. I met Danny Long building my first Perspectives art show. I don't remember how. Maybe through Alvin. Uh, I probably should have fact-checked that, but obviously it's too late for that now. Danny's main focus is maybe documentarian or journalistic. He uses different formats and subjects, but always seems to focus on his family lineage, stories of immigrants in this country, and the general experience of, at least right now, Asian Canadians. Through our chat, I kept hearing this Asian perspective in his thinking, and my head got stuck somewhere between concepts of Taoism and Zen Buddhism. Uh, for me, Zen Buddhism is a powerful spiritual influence that helps to moderate my own tendency to overcomplicate things. And by things, I mean everything. Separating itself from general religious and traditional Buddhist thoughts, Zen focuses on practice as a knowledge process. It's odd to Western thinking, I think, that spiritual enlightenment could arise from not thinking, but there's great power to the subsequent concept that instead of thinking about an action, one must simply be present and act. Even if by act we mean to sit and do nothing. Uh, confusing? Danny brings up walking and meditation and, at least in my reflection, seems to embody a lot of the practical ideas that circle around Zen Buddhism. Even if he's at odds with it, it's interesting that in acting in Zen, there's always a sense of conflict and a dialectic, because there's no single truth. Life is a balancing act between every living thing. Let's get to our chat, and after uh, part two, let me know if you think I'm onto something, or maybe if I should just get over myself and start taking some pictures again. Why don't we... Do you want to do this in a typical kind of like interviewer kind of way, where you throw questions at me and you probe yeah. into it a little deeper, or do you want to do it in more of a casual, like we're having a conversation about photography? I do everything casually. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Uh, I think... Um, how about I, I, I tell you this? I don't know if I've told you this explicitly, but uh, I bring you up a lot in this regard. So when Perspectives first started, uh, before it was really called Perspectives, uh, you were part of my inaugural, um, you know, coffee shop show. And uh, even putting that together, I just wanted to punch myself in the face by the end. Uh, nothing to do with the artists. I thought you guys all, like, you know, it was, fuck, man. You, Louis, Scott, and Ingrid, it was dope. But... Um, you know, it's just a lot of work to coordinate and, and kind of build. And by the end uh, of the opening, I'm uh, sorry, by the time we got to the opening, I already had questions about whether I should or should not continue doing this. I did all of that, you know, in this really childish, naive sense, you know, for the for the love of the game. And so it still came to fruition. But um, the thing that motivated me to keep going, Danny, <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, was when you brought all your friends and family and um, I think it was your grandma, but um, watching you interact with your family and everybody being so happy to see your work on a wall is actually the only reason why I uh, did the next show. Uh, because at that point, um, and I bring you up the most because I think you, A, you brought the biggest crowd and B, uh, you had that interaction before anyone else uh, did. I mean, everybody at the end um, had that and it was uh, motivating for me, but it was that family thing that uh, I think is a big uh, motivator 
if not a motivator, like just a big part of you. Uh, so kind of with that in mind, um, you know, just quickly, when did you start um, taking pictures? Yeah, that's a that's that that's always an interesting question, right? Like, I feel like you know, you want to be taken seriously as a as a photographer. You got this like beautiful story about taking pictures or learning how to take pictures, right? Like, like, like people always come up to you and they give you and like, like it's almost like the question, like, oh, like what got you started, right? Like, what what got you into it? And I mean, like, it's so many different things, right? Like, I got into like I never picked up a camera till I was probably 16 and I only picked one up because my cousin got one and I wanted to get one and they seemed pretty cool so I got you know a small little Canon XTI with a nifty 50 and I was like yo this thing's sick and I had a lot of fun with it and like I wasn't doing anything serious nor did I imagine that photography was ever going to be like a primary faucet in my life right like at all I bought a camera because my cousin bought one and I wanted to get one too. I wanted to be cool like him, right? I looked up to him. So um, I did that. And and I mean, like my earliest experience with photography was, is, and always has been, you know, and I still look through photographs from uh, the Vietnam War. Um, it's very, very, very uh, obviously culturally connected to me. Um, it's something I have studied most of my life and looked into and like, listen to the stories from my grandfather and my parents and all parents and, uh, and, and, you know, a multitude of, of people that surround me. And, um, the, I guess the thing that started to make me fall in love with it is like starting to see like the photography that came out of the Vietnam war and how much different that was than anything else that came before it. And even the Korean war to an extent had a lot of photographs that were akin to the Vietnam War, like just kind of shockingly brutal. Um, and just like, just right before America started clamping down on their press, you know what I mean? Being like, you know what? We can't actually release these images. Like this is kind of crazy, you know? So that would be like my earliest interaction with photography as a serious medium. But my first time picking up a camera was, you know, 16 and I did the normal thing. Like I went to LA, took pictures, you know, pictures of things that didn't matter and I mean arguably like you always take pictures of things that don't matter right so like they matter to you in some sense or there was some sort of stimuli but in the grand scheme of things do these things matter probably not and that's okay um but yeah that's that would be the answer to my question like I always you know you want to romanticize it a little bit and be like oh yeah you know like I picked up a camera and it was magical and, but the biggest thing I guess what started to happen was Early 20s, I would say. Um, I, I'm 30 now, and um, I was going through a pretty severe bout of depression um, because I'd had several close friends commit suicide. And um, picking up a camera started to feel like, and I, I think like if you ask this question to every photographer you talk to, this is going to be a primary kind of note here. It's like it started to feel like I wasn't me. I wasn't Danny anymore. I could be, cause like so much of living is linked to what you see and what you experience through your senses, right? And when you take the most primary sense that humans arguably have, which is sight, and you replace that by looking through a box, like you don't have to be yourself anymore. You can just be the camera. And when you're the camera, you don't necessarily have to have feelings. Now, obviously your biases and, 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 
feelings do come through the lens and I think that's what creates um, different flavors and obviously different types of photography because there is a controller behind that camera but when you get to be the camera you don't necessarily have to have feelings and that was really the allure to me for a long time because I didn't want to feel anything anymore. I wanted like I, I wanted a way out from being sad all the time you know so picking up the camera I was able to just be a robot with a lens it didn't have to be me I didn't have to be the Danny in the world who was suffering because of X Y and Z you know it was just me looking through a viewfinder and and that was the closest I'd come to just achieving a state of nirvana like bliss you know, because I didn't have to be myself it's almost meditative in that sense it's interesting I I am um, I mean so I guess the the first thought I have is I am um, I think that the idea of the relationship between a photographer the tool of the camera and then the uh, display of the image be it you know digital print uh, proclaimed as a commodity etc there those are very complex uh, relationships one ones that I'm actually fundamentally interested in and I think listening to you describe it as a sense of detachment uh separation um i mean i i'm not sure danny that you can make the assumption that everybody uh connects at that level and i think if you have a peer group let's say at the camera store or whatever your uh, photography uh community is and people are describing it that way that's one thing but i i might challenge the idea that taking a photograph is without emotion in general because i i don't know yet what motivates us to even click the, the shutter yeah exactly yeah right? exactly yeah of course and uh i don't know if it's that benign i, I mean bringing back this uh, so using that as sort of a framework and then going back to your fascination with wartime photography um i wonder if even i mean i actually would posit that imagery from the vietnam war and korean war already politicized i i don't know oh, of course of course of course absolutely it wouldn't, I mean, technically, though, when, if we got into it, wouldn't every image be politicized? Well, this is, and this is the thing about um, one of the main undercurrents I want to explore with these conversations is, you know, photography in general having um, essentially being a fundamental part of our culture in the sense that it actually is now um, defining culture as opposed to. Uh, observing it that uh, maybe when it first came out uh, you know when the technology is first built and that first generation uh, both of the technological sort of innovators and then the first uh, in what we would now consider classic journalists and candid photographers and then uh, the first wave of uh, you know it's probably uh, you know coincidentally uh, as well the, the first generation of art photographers so the manipulation of a new technology there's going to be a lot of naivety and and let's call it pure intent so uh, whether it's uh, i want to be able to freeze a moment in time or i want to depict a situation as it is and and all of these ideas of let's say reality as it is or could be um 
I think that's gone. I think it's gone. And I think I offend people when I bring it up that way. And I think this is the thing that worries me a little bit about my personal practice. And I think the first generation of photographers might have had the intent that this medium allows us to see what a tree, re- I'm looking at a tree right now at the window, what a tree really looks like and the texture of this birch. Um, but what we've learned in the uh, next generations is that it's so easily to manipulate. I mean, never mind the basic thing of angles and exposure and, you know, contrast. But now, you know, with digital manipulation, I can make this uh, birch tree into any tree I want. Um, I can change the scale so that, you know, how many times you see that on Facebook or whatever people are on uh, the internet, like, you know, 4,000 pound shark. And it's like, no, they were just closer to the camera, right? Like, yeah, um, it's the same same comparison between the digital and film photography right like digital always represents the infinite like the the amount of possibilities that's available digital and and i mean like obviously like with film photography if you get a negative scan that's a jpeg or whatever like as soon as you digitalize it it's infinite like in terms of what you can do in terms of like it it might as well be infinite but it's not technically sure but it's like it always looks like you're you're entering the infinite right like you you shoot a scene with a roll of film, you got 36 shots or 12 or whatever, right? But you shoot a scene with digital and you've got 32,000, right? Like it's it's literally like infinity when you look at what we used to have. So I, I completely agree with you. And like, that's, that's the thing with digital is like, it's beautiful because it is everything. It can do everything, right? Like it, it's all encompassing almost, right? Like in terms of that, like it makes, it takes us like that one step closer to perfection and and for me like i'm just i'm i'm a person who's very perfection adverse i i don't want perfection i love the cracks in the wall i love the cracks i, I, I like to see beneath the veneer right like i want to see these things um the, the, the decay of, of 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 just time i want to see what time does to things that's one of my primary interests and and, and i think a lot of that has a, like a the morbidly obsessed with photographing uh, death in all of its forms and i think that's because i'm i'm i, I love seeing things alive you know like uh, be, be, because of that right and digital like like it's all lies but if it's all lies then it's also the truth it's where we're going you know my worry about photography in principle uh, again without delving into the specifics of analog and digital is that uh, it's not only manipulatable, uh, easily manipulated, (laughs) it's easily manipulated, can be intentionally so, but it also is um, illusory in the sense that it's based on an assumption we have of what an image's power is. So when we flip through any image, be it uh, an archival thing from, you know, Ansel and Adams from 1930, whatever, right? Or uh, something created today um, in a virtual space in a world that doesn't even exist. Um, We still have a basic assumption that our eyes are comprehending something that actually exists. Even in the most artistic and strange sort of manipulation, um, there's a core, I think, intuitive assumption that what I'm looking at is in some way real, right? And let's say you're out taking uh, photographs for yourself. So outside of commercial work, we're not going to talk about, you know, weddings and making uh, a groom and a bride happy. <laughs> How to make this. the most money of photography. Ten sure. tips. Lots, lots right of now. stuff like that. Right. Um, 
put yourself out there. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going out. We're taking pictures. You wanted to initially to describe the act of photography as something benign and not emotional, but then I think it becomes deterministic and fatalistic. So I want to make myself clear there, real quick, right? Sure. Like it, okay. <clears throat> so, in of itself, like the camera does not have a soul. Yes, we can all agree with that. Um, now, that's not to say they don't have personality. I've met, like I've said to Louis before, I've met cameras more with more personality than some of the people I know. But going from there, like you can never free yourself from your soul, right? Like a, to do so would be dead. You'd be dead. Well, maybe. Who knows? Spirituality, right? So you're you're, you're never going to be able to actually sever that that emotional like tinge on a photograph because you're the one taking it. But the act in of itself. Like to, to become a, a machine, to become a camera, to become a viewfinder, that's when you're null, you know, like you're nothing. But then the stimuli happens, like whatever the fuck you're looking at, or for you're, you're walking around the street and, and, and the stimuli is you, right? Because that, that, that's not going to necessarily appeal to anyone else when you, when you point your lens at it. Like this is how you flavor your lens or your camera. Right, so you're, you're never going to be able to actually take that emotional element out of a photograph. It's always there, and it's always you when you're taking it, obviously. Right, and I would even argue when you're the viewer for a photograph, it's the same deal because you're getting stimuli, maybe, out of this photograph, and that's you as well. The relationship between the viewer and the shooter, or the viewer and the photograph, right? And the audience and, and, and the artist, right? Um, but going from there, like in addressing the, that primary question, there is like. There's a couple of things that have changed for me personally about doing this. Um, and, and the first one uh, is that like you, 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 you gotta, <laughs> as cliche as it is, you, you gotta love to walk. You gotta, you gotta love to move. And that's the first thing, right? Like if you can walk, you can photograph. And one of the things that me and my peer groups, specifically Stefan have, have been talking about often is like, Walking as a form of meditation, right, is is probably or not probably is one way to photograph because you 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 walk, you meditate, you take in your surroundings, you listen to the soundtrack of you know your life, and you keep moving and you take it all in with your eyes, and then you know stimuli hits you and you steal that moment, you take it. But it's happening because you're meditating, because you're, you're 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 being very conscious of your surroundings. You're being you're looking at things. You're taking it all in. You're listening, right? To the rhythm. And and obviously, like this one's a little bit weird too, because I've done this in multiple different ways. But you know, people, uh, Dido Moriyama, for example, like they're always talking about like you got to listen to the rhythm of the street, right? Like what's what's happening and and and, and how where where you can get these shots, right? Um, but I mean, I've, I've, you know, put earbuds in and just walked around listening to music and take photo taking photographs like that. They're different than if you were to just listen to the street. They're a little bit more focused on probably the mood that you want, right? But there's a whole diff bunch of different ways to do it. Um, but I think it all starts with like learning how to walk as a form of meditation to clear your mind. And and this isn't, you know, to say like, you know. There's always this like interpretation of meditation as like telling your mind to shut the fuck up. No, that's not 
what meditation is. You can't, and obviously meditation's like like with an asterisk here because it means something different to literally everyone, right? But to me, telling your mind to shut up is ridiculous. Like you're constantly, you know, generating thoughts on some abyss somewhere, and it's running at a million miles a minute. Rather than kind of telling your mind to shut up, it's better, in my opinion. What I do is. I acknowledge those thoughts. I honor them. I, I, I talk to myself about why I'm having these thoughts. Do I like these thoughts? Are these thoughts okay? Like, is this the, the thoughts that, like these thoughts, are these emotions and thoughts of things I want to harbor? And a lot of that gets reflected back into what I'm doing with my work, I think, you know, um, because it's like, yeah, like, one of the primary things about shooting for me was always, you know, people always telling me, like the, the basic crux central piece of advice that everyone always spews at you is like, shoot what you love, right? That's a really easy sentence. It's really easy to identify with. And what started to happen for me was just like, started to question like, well, what if I don't love anyone or anything and I knew that wasn't true so I started to take pictures of my family of the people close to me and 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 I also like you know there was a bit of a crisis there because it was like is our pictures of my family art that's ridiculous in my mind I would say that it's fucking stupid you know like you they take a look at these beautiful landscapes so again using the photography you mentioned Ansel Adams sure right some beautiful street photography by Jerry Winogrand or whatever. Like you're looking at all these things, you're like, well, my pictures of my family aren't anything. But I mean, like, that's the issue is like you're comparing. As soon as you compare, that's death of joy. You can't, you can't. There's no point in comparison, nearly. Why compare yourself to others, right? So take and do and, and photograph when you feel the stimuli, you know? And, and the other big thing, I guess, that a lot of my peers go through is like, they feel guilty when they don't pick up a camera for a while, you know, and, and, and so there's just guilt, like you've invested, you know, thousands of dollars into camera equipment and you're not taking any fucking pictures. So what the fuck are you doing? You know, but uh, I mean, for me, it's like, I don't, I'm not going to concern myself with feelings like that. It's like when, like, and it happens all the time, right? Like if I'm constantly trying to stay in a meditative state, where I'm conscious about what I'm feeling, I'm conscious about what my thoughts are. Like the spark comes. Like I'll be walking with my grandma and you know, she's currently, because she has to stay inside all day, she's tending to the garden in the backyard. And there are some beautiful moments there that I can photograph. Just cause I get to hang out with my grandma outside gardening. 